0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at one 877 5483 or email her at mother at com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam.
1: Hello beloved how are you? I pray that everything's fine if you're looking live stream today and even if you're uh, on the radio um I may sound a little different I may we may look a little different. I am here in Madison Wisconsin visiting the parish of St Mary in Pine Bluff pastored by Father Richard Heilman and it happens to be his birthday today. He shares his birthday with um saint john the baptist and of course it's saint john the baptist his feast day today a first class feast so we are just thrilled father uh we just came from father celebrating mass for us we we've had a wonderful time so far um a new bishop um bishop donald hying is being installed on tuesday and we're all going to be able to be there for that magnificent event so we're having a wonderful time sister Gertrude Marie is with me and it's truly this is the first time I've done the program streaming from uh not from Tulsa so it's really great we're going to be back in Tulsa on Wednesday so it's wonderful 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 to be with you I don't have father Hying uh, not father Hying but father Richard Heilman H-E-I-L-M-A-N. Many of you probably know Father Heilman. Um, He is a priest of the Diocese of Madison, and um, he's Wisconsin State Chaplain for the Knights of Columbus. He's chaplain to the homeschooling community. He's a regular guest host on radio, and he's the founder of the Knights of Divine Mercy. He has the website Roman Catholic Man. Um, He's beginning his own podcast, I think, July 11th, on the Feast of St. Benedict. Take a look father heilman is uh, had a wonderful interview with uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall not too long ago on spiritual warfare. Father Heilman is the spiritual warfare priest he 's put together a a a rosary that I think they used to use in world war one it 's indestructible and um all kinds of things for warfare, and can tell us well how to live in this day when we are be- the church is being attacked uh, without end. So uh, we wanted to have Father Howman on, but we just couldn't work it out uh, te- technicality wise. But if we can for tomorrow, we will because I'll be here also in Saint Mary's tomorrow. Um, so we are uh, we're just thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be with you today on the feast of Saint John the Baptist. And you know, um, for Mass, uh, for Holy Mass, um, uh, Father uh, Rick, as he calls himself, Father Rick Heilman, uh, spoke about John the Baptist when Jesus came and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world." And yesterday we were here for Holy Mass on Sunday. And of course, most of the United States celebrates the Feast of Corpus Christi on Sunday. And so uh, Father tied in the Feast of John the Baptist with the Feast of Corpus Christi to say that, to look at Jesus, the bread of life, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he kept saying on the Eucharist, Feast of Corpus Christi, okay, that the, the Eucharist Is God. He kept saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. It is God. It is God. We cannot come. He kept saying, And receive God nonchalantly, uh, ho hum, matter of factly, been there, done that. It, we have to know every single time we're receiving God, and that's what it is to receive him worthily, to know that we are sinners before a holy God, and if it weren't for his mercy and his forgiveness and his death on the cross, we would perish. Often when I receive our Lord, uh, always on the tongue, I I. Often think and actually say to our Lord, Lord, if I perish, I perish. Because I'm receiving God on my tongue. And I could perish. If I don't perish, it's because of His mercies that are new every morning. Otherwise, I would perish. It's an amazing thing to me that we receive God Himself, um, at the consecration. And, uh, the verse that father kept repeating over and over and over again is behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that was the verse which father didn't know, um, that changed my life. Um Oh, I don't know. 19, uh 95 no 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 1977 i went from my orthodox rather conservative jewish home to being an evangelical protestant when i first believed that the god of abraham isaac and jacob that nobody could look on and live that that god entered history took on flesh and blood died for us died As payment, he became a sin offering for us, took our sins upon himself, and he who was innocent um, became our offering before God, because our blood is sinful, and the blood of everyone who's ever lived and will live a million billion sacrifices could never take away sin. But they all pointed for 1,500 years, the entire sacrificial system, to the one who would one day come and take upon himself Not the sin of a single individual for a time, but the sin of entire world for all time, past, present, and future. And I had a bunch of Jews for Jesus, evangelical Protestants, who took me through the history of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And and where they showed me that in the Old Testament, I think I told you this about a week ago, but I'm not sure now, but in the Old Testament, where... um, if you if you picture, well, the individual would come and I always wish I had a lamb with me and I don't have a little lamb. I never think of bringing a lamb. OK, um, but let's say here is here is a lamb. There's a lamb. This is a lamb. Little little thing with feet. This is a lamb. And so the individual would come and put their hand on the head of the lamb in the Old Testament. And it would be symbolic Of the sin passing from that individual on to that little four legged creature. And that four legged creature, who was innocent, but who symbolically had taken upon himself the sin of this person, was then slain and his blood shed on the altar as an offering to God for this person's sin. And when they told me that the first time I said, what's what what why would God? Why would God put an innocent animal to death for my sin? I didn't understand it. Put me to death. I don't understand what that's about. But it began to get through to me that sin is no light issue to God that he would do that. And they explained to me the night that changed my life that the blood of bulls and goats and lambs for 1,500 years of the Mosaic sacrificial system could never take away sin. The highest holy day of the Jewish year is Yom Kippur, Yom Day, Kippur, a covering. It was the day that God covered our sin. Just like in the Exodus 12, when the angel of death passed over Egypt and all the firstborn, which would be the eldest of every home, would be killed except those of the Hebrew people that took a lamb, a male, a year old, without blemish, without spot, representing a perfect offering for a holy God, and they would kill that little perfect lamb. And they put the lamb, the blood of the lamb, on the doorposts in the crossbar, the lentil, and when the angel of death flew over Egypt that night, all the firstborn of Egypt would be killed, except the houses, that had the blood of the lamb, because the lamb died in the place of the firstborn. God accepted that. He passed over them. They covered the sin. That's how we get the feast of the Passover. The angel of death passed over those houses. But all those lambs and all the sacrificial lambs through the Mosaic system, again, 1,500 years between Moses and Christ, could never take away sin, but they were a They were a covering. Their blood was a sign to point to the one who would one day come and take upon himself, not the sin of a single individual for a time, but the sin of the entire world, everyone who ever lived, past, present, and future for all time. And then they went to the New Testament with me, and they said one verse. I didn't even know it was a verse in the New Testament, but I, of course, never heard it. And most of you who are Catholic know it in your sleep. And they went to the scene where John the Baptist was baptizing the Jewish people in the Jordan under the Old Covenant baptism. And there came Jesus in the water. And he pointed to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I tell you, beloved, that one line... I was sitting in a restaurant with 12 Jews for Jesus. It shattered my life on the spot. I couldn't believe what I had begun to hear. I couldn't speak. My body was shaking. I couldn't stand up. I thought if one little lamb under the Old Testament sacrificial system, here's the lamb again. I have to get it in front of the camera, could take away the sin of a single individual, could bear that sin and be an offering a substitution in the place of the sinner temporarily and ineffectually. That dead animal had no power to change the heart or to do anything. But it was a sign to point to that one, the lamb, the lamb of lambs, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And for me, when they said John 129, which Father Rick brought back to me yesterday in his beautiful homily, for me... It was um, as if you could picture an old stage with a torn curtain and there were little holes in the curtain. And every once in a while, for a year and a half that they'd been trying to tell me this so-called gospel, not uh, clueless, every once in a while, a little light showed through a hole. But when they said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, it was for me, as someone, it, it was almost as good as physical, it was so startling to me, as if someone pulled the curtain, exposed the stage, and I saw it. I saw the Lamb of God on the cross. I didn't physically see it, but that's how real it was to me. And I knew I knew on the spot, I knew it was true. I knew it was true like that, because they put all the pieces together for me. And... um And my my problem and my hang up all this time, which is a hang up of not just Jewish people, but certainly Jewish people, is that a man can't be God. A man can't be God. Am I ever going to stand before God and he's going to say, why did you worship a man? A man can't be God. And I realized that night I was right. A man cannot be God. But if God exists, God could become a man. God could do whatever he wants to do. I'm not going to tell him how to be God. And I had to work through pride and fear and whatever baggage I carried. And I gave my life to that incomparable lamb. And I tell you, beloved, the scriptures say, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things were new. I was a Martian on planet Earth the next day. I was a Martian on planet Earth the next day, my entire life changed, and I began attending a Bible study. And it was by an ex-Catholic who was taught by an ex-priest. And for the next fourteen of my eighteen evangelical years, I tried to save Catholics um, from what I thought was a false man-made religion and bring them into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And blessed be God, the Catholics won. And I realized it took me it was almost a five year agonizing journey, but that the God who condescended to take on flesh and become man for us men and for our salvation that that God went a further step of condescension and became our food in the Eucharist. I just I, it was an amazing thing to me, and um, it. You know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How do we believe anything? It's by faith. We could study forever. I read, I had 200 books that I used or read uh, coming into the church. But the intellect alone can't do it. No one calls Jesus Lord except by the Spirit. And one day I was driving home from church watching everybody receive our Lord and all of that. And I, and I, I was driving home and I said, you know what? Rosalind, I call myself by my given name, Rosalind Moss, my given name. I said, you believe this. I think you believe it. I think you can enter. I was ecstatic. I was so ecstatic that I had to pull off the road, stop the car for a minute, get myself together. And I entered the church. And uh, I remember the night that I did that I had one thought on my mind. And when I went up to receive the Eucharist, I knew that it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that the heavens can contain. Solomon built the temple for God, and he said, Ah, Lord God, here is the temple I built for thee, but, but the heaven of heavens can't contain thee. How could this little house I made contain thee? And how could this little host contain thee and become thee in true substance? How, 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 how? Who knows? He's the potter where the clay clay doesn't have a clue. But I believed it. And I went up to receive our Lord in the Eucharist for the first time, and I stood there and all I could think of is that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, whose name I never pronounced, we never said God. I never said the word God till I became a Christian. We would say G we would say G-d and we would write G-D, too holy to pronounce. And now he was going to be placed on my tongue, the triune God of Abraham, on my tongue. And I stood there, put my tongue out, and knew that that could be the last second I was alive. I knew that. I knew that. Lord, like Esther, if I perish, I perish. If you want to kill me, you'll be just. If you put me to death, you'll be just. I'm a sinner. You'll be just. At that moment, I knew I could perish. I knew I could die. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was put on my tongue, and I didn't perish. And I went back to my pew, and I knelt, and I have no clue what happened after that because I sobbed uncontrollably the rest the rest of the Mass. I have no idea what happened it's an amazing thing beloved god is one but he is three in one the father the son and the holy spirit he is three persons not three gods three persons in one godhead we say how could that be because he's god but how do you explain it who can we could explain it. We can show you the scriptures that say show his plurality, not just of majesty but of persons. We can show that. Yes, we can. But it's by faith. Someone could read the entire Old and New Testament. They may have grown up Catholic. And they may have grown up whatever it was, and, and they still don't believe. Faith is a gift, beloved. And if you've been Catholic all your life, but you really don't know what the Eucharist is, who the Eucharist is, I beg you, you have a treasure that you haven't begun to know or to unpack. You need to study. You need to study. You need to get wonderful books on the Eucharist. I recommend um, This Is My Body. It's a little uh, pocketbook by Mark Shea. It's totally scripturally based because Mark Shea was an evangelical Protestant who came into the church. There's another one that helped me tremendously. It's Father Aidan Nichols, and I think it's just called The Eucharist, but it's a wonderful book by Father Nichols. And then the priest that led me into the church is Monsignor James T. O'Connor, who wrote The Hidden Manna, and that's the name for um, uh, our Lord. He is hidden in the Manna. And um, Revelation chapter two, the hidden, and some of the psalms say the hidden manner. And he has written a um, chronology of the theology of the Eucharist, so as it came to be developed, and when it was first questioned, and when it was ever thought of following the Reformation as merely a symbol. In my Protestant years, we, we taught it was symbolic even from John chapter 6 my pastor would say it's symbolic otherwise it would be cannibalism and so now i ask if jesus wouldn't teach cannibalism of course he's not teaching cannibalism eat his body and blood uh truly he said my flesh is true food my blood is true drink and unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no life in you you can't get around that you can but you'll be wrong He gave us himself. He is the bread from heaven, Uh, and he is the one that gives life. And if we're concerned that Jesus uh, didn't want to teach us cannibalism, then if we receive uh, communion symbolically, why would Jesus tell us to symbolize cannibalism? It makes no sense. Why would he tell us to symbolize a gross act? Absolutely not, beloved. It is the body and blood of Christ. It is. He is. He has come to us to give us life. And if you, are, if you are away from the church, if you became Protestant, if you left the church and you're nothing uh, religion-wise, whatever it is, you need to come home. Come home, little sheep, to Christ. And you say you haven't been fed before, so you go to a Bible church now where you're being fed. Well, you're being fed the scriptures. Yes. Good for you maybe you never were taught the scriptures in the Catholic church you went to, and maybe you're going to a Catholic church today that doesn't teach the scriptures. Shame, shame on the priest. Shame on the bishops for not teaching the faith. The fact is that there is no evangelical Protestant who reads the Bible through every year, no matter how fervent they are, if they knew that the Lord of the scripture, the Lord of the Sabbath, The Lord of creation, who gave himself for us and rose from the dead to give us life. That he, when he said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, that he was truly with us in a way we never fathom, that the Eucharist truly is Christ. There's not a single evangelical Protestant that would not flock to the church. Would you rather have his word than him? My goodness, his word is so that we have him. That we know him, whom to know is life eternal. But we'd rather have him than his word. And some say, I'd rather have both. Of course, me too. And he's given us both. He's given us both in the church he established. It's a wonderful thing. It's a gift. And beloved, I don't think we have much time left. I don't know when our Lord will return, but I don't think we have a lot of time left. I think the destruction today in the world and in the Church, and especially in the Catholic Church, destruction, false teaching, apostasy, that is exactly what Peter wrote would be the character of these days. And it's happening. And it's happening at such unprecedented rate is hardly the word overnight, every day I read the news and I think, it's not going to get worse. can't get worse. What else can happen? One bishop after another is falling. One bishop after another is being discovered for his um, misconduct and sin and abuse. All of that. Every day you read. You read of new synods being planned with an agenda that uh, is, is going to Bring more confusion on the church and destroy the faith even more. And open it up to all kinds of sacrilege. It's, it's insane. What can we do, beloved? What can we do? There's one thing we can do. Go to confession. If you're Catholic and you haven't been to confession, go to confession. If you haven't been to confession and you've been in mortal sin, you must not receive the Eucharist until you've gone to confession. If you're Catholic and you're living in mortal sin, I tell you, beloved, um, you can call yourself Catholic, but you are a Catholic who will be in hell if you die in a state of mortal sin. And the woman or the man you're living with who's not your husband rightfully will also be in hell. How do we say we love somebody when we have a relationship with them outside of a proper marriage? And bring them to hell along with us. That's not love. That's utter, utter self-love and selfishness. Love wants what's best for the beloved. If you're married, beloved, if you're in a so-called second marriage, so-called irregular state, beloved, that's a, a, a comforting way to say sin. There's no such thing as an irregular marriage. It's either a marriage or it's not. If we call it a regular, it's because it's not a marriage, which means you're in a sinful state. And if you're in a sinful state, you've been married before, you're remarried without an annulment, you're considered still married. And if you receive the Eucharist in an adulterous situation, you're committing mortal sin on mortal sin. That's what the faith teaches. And no one can change it, beloved. No one can change that. If you're living a homosexual lifestyle You're not going to be in heaven. If you say, well, I'm not responsible that I'm homosexual. I can't help that. Well, I'm not saying you can. I think there's help for you. I'm not saying you can. But to live out the lifestyle, yes, I'm a nun. I'm a normal woman. I have. There's no one on live that doesn't have temptation. But there's no problem with that. We learn how to sacrifice. We learn how to channel our passions. But if we give in to them... We're on our way to hell, all of us, beloved. God loves us and wants us to come home. Come home before you go to sleep tonight. It's the only way you know you're going to wake up in a state of grace. God bless you, beloved. There's our break music. Call in toll-free with anything on your heart, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com.
0: This is Father Yatsuk Please join me in excerpts from a prayer by St. Ephraim of Syria. O Lord, Master of my life, grant that I may not be infected with the spirit of slothfulness and inquisitiveness, with the spirit of ambition and vain talking. Grant instead to me, your servant, the spirit of purity and of humility, the spirit of patience and neighborly love, for you are blessed now and forever. Amen.
2: peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
3: Accuracy of our donor information is important to us at the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279 extension 104.
0: Back,
1: beloved, to Mother Miriam live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and um, uh, we gave out the number really quickly at the end of the of uh, before the break. Let me give it out again. Uh, It's toll free to call or text with anything on your heart. Um, It never needs to be what we're speaking about. It the matter is the matter of your heart, and it's toll free to call or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the Station of the cross.com. We have uh, Mary from Massachusetts on the line. Are you there, Mary? I sure am, Mother.
2: It's Hi. It's an honor of a, a privilege to speak with you, and I just can't thank you enough for all that you're doing to pro- proclaim the truth. As thank us. you, Mary. And I honestly just want to give you an amen for everything you were saying about the Eucharist. I, yes, um, good. You know, for, for me, Mother, when I receive Christ, I. You know, I uh, always pray, as uh, St. Paul t- taught us in Galatians, that um, I live now, not I, but Christ will right. me. That's mm-hmm. right. And I just, um, you know, look at us as we're receiving Christ. You know, we're like literally like walking tabernacles going out. We you
1: know, we should like be. You, oh, Mary, you're right. <laughs> I, I think we should we should know that and not forget it. Yes.
2: yes. And I'm not sure if you remember the um, the cartoon of Popeye when he would get his spinach so for me that's like, you know, we receive Christ that's like our spiritual spinach that gives us the Spiritual life. spinach. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a riot. Did you, I think you did you have a question also, Mary? I I did, mother. So I um I don't always get to catch your show. I I have four children and we are raising our children in the, um you know, going to Catholic Uh, Schools up until eighth grade, and you were talking last week about um, one of your broadcasts about uh, there was a a parent who wanted to uh, was not sure what to do as far as with high school or or, Mm -hmm. or Catholic schools in general. But anyway, so my husband and I we um, were praying about as far as the next step with Catholic high school, and it was just becoming more challenging, and um, and so through the prayerful process someone had said to us, you know, um, well public schools need Christ too. Mm-hmm. And that really took hold in, in my heart and I um just again started just praying about it, offering over to God, you know, whatever decision we were going to make here. And um so my my two two of my four are now in public school. Okay. One is going to be a senior and the other one is is um, going to be a sophomore. All right. And um you know I um can you know as far as for me I I see the um, benefits, in the sense of having them there, uh, but also, you know, I, I still um, want them to receive the other aspects as well that they yes. are not receiving. You know, right? And, clearly and Mary, used, and yeah, religion, Mary. You know, yes,
1: dear one. I did speak about this last week, um, and I said, if you send your children to public school, uh, make sure that you give them a Catholic education, because God will hold you accountable for it. Even if you went to Catholic schools, God will hold you accountable for their education. Um, So if you send them to public school, uh, you need to spend time, hopefully you and your husband, to spend time with those children in the evening, not just teaching them separate books, but finding out what they've learned and feeding that through the grid of their Catholic faith so they don't think it's two different worlds. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. Very important. Nothing wrong. Yes, public schools need yeah. Jesus too, but our children come first. If it's a public school and they're forced to attend same-sex ed classes and genealogy stuff, I wouldn't dare allow that. I would not yeah. dare allow them to do that. Though yeah. no, they have to be exempt from those classes, and if the school says if they're exempt from those classes they can't come to this school, then you don't send them to that school. You'd never send them into what is demonic. You you could send them into what is not specifically Catholic, but don't send them into what is demonic. And same-sex education and all this transgenderism and uh, genealogy stuff, uh, not genealogy, what am I thinking of? Uh, uh, genderology, <laughs> I guess. Uh, it's demonic. <laughs> it's demonic. It has nothing to do with God.
2: Okay, Mother, Mary? I just wanted to... Mother, I just wanted to quickly just encourage all other you know parents who are really trying to to raise their their children in the truth and love of Jesus Christ and that. To stand for and
0: also just to know
2: that, um, as you said, when our uh, kids give us pushback, like why do I have to do this? You
1: know, Mary. For some reason, Mary, I'm going to cut you off because you, you're you're fading in and out, and we can't hear you. Let me go to the next caller, Mary. But we got your point. God bless you, dear one. Um, we've got Joe on the line. Are you there, Joe?
4: I am, mother. How are you?
1: Hi. Oh, I'm fine. How about you?
4: Good thank you. Um, I, I I've been a Catholic my whole life, and it's something that I take very seriously and gr- i I've grown up in a Catholic family, but uh, I'm kind of kind of at a tough spot because I have relatives in my family. Who also have been raised in a Catholic home. Uh, they live a homosexual lifestyle, and I, I love these members of my family, but I don't know. Like it's something that I cannot accept in of a. Of
1: course not. Well, neither can God. That's right.
4: And I, I like these relatives. They they're very um flamboyant about their sexuality, and i i don't I don't know how to respond as I well
1: could. I tell you what Joe if you maybe give me a concrete example that we can respond to well. In other words, I don't know how often you see them. I, I don't know if, if you have children and they affect your children. So I don't know the situation. But without explaining the whole situation, for time's sake, um, yeah. maybe give me the main situation that we might be able to uh, talk about.
4: Well, um, for like, I'll give an example. Uh, a relative... Um, they constantly post on social media about, like, gay pride and about, Mm -hmm. like, their partner. Okay. I, I just don't know how to respond to that. You
1: can't. You can't. You just let it go. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Don't go on. Don't go on Facebook. Don't look at it. Don't read it. Nothing. Uh, you don't, you don't want to respond at all to that. You, uh, if you're going to respond to them, you need to confront them in love personally. Not on Facebook. Not not denying their comments. Just don't go on their Facebook conversations. Okay. All right, Joe. Um, would you like to hold on till after the break?
4: Um, I do have to get going. But all I right, sweetheart. Appreciate you taking yes. my
1: call. Okay, Joe. Um, God bless you, and uh, do what you can. To speak with them privately and personally, but don't respond on social media. Stay away from all that. Okay. You won't win. You so it won't help. Okay. God bless you, dear one. Uh, beloved, there's our second break. It's going to be very short, and you're welcome to call in again. Toll free or text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at com.
0: St. Aylred of Riveau said, Charity may be a very short word, but with its tremendous meaning of pure love, it sums up man's entire relation to God and to his neighbor. A lasting way you can show charity to others is by remembering us in your will. If you've worked hard and have been blessed financially, consider leaving a bequest to the Station of the Cross. Please speak with your financial advisor or lawyer for more information. We also welcome you to contact us about a bequest so that we can help Catholic Radio continue spreading the love of God throughout our world. Call 1-877-888-6279. That's one 877 888 888-6279.
3: Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. If you're looking to get rid of an old car, truck, or motorcycle, consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This generous gift in support of our solid Catholic programming will bring more value to your vehicle than it's ever had before. As it's made a difference in your life, it will make a difference in the lives of our many listeners when used to help us proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ over the airwaves, online, and through mobile devices. This gift may even qualify as a tax deduction. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, Visit the dot com or call one that's 628 CARS. That's thestationofhecross.com or one 866 628 2277 Thank you for supporting the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
1: Welcome back, beloved. It's so good to be with you. And we are going to go to our first email today. Uh, and again, we've got a good 15 to 20 minutes, and you're welcome to call in uh, if you wish uh tollfree 1877 511 5483 or email at mother at the dot com. We have an email or rather a a note on Facebook from Roberta who says should there be non Catholic lectors and cantors allowed to participate at Mass? We have a cantor who goes up to the ambo to sing the psalm. I do not feel this is right. She is also the soloist at weddings and funerals. I do need um, I do need to understand why our parish hires non Catholics to participate in the liturgy well Roberta i 'm with you. Uh, Non-Catholics should not be lectors or cantors. I agree with you. Now, if somebody's getting married and they have a friend who's not Catholic and want them to be the soloist for their wedding, and it's uh, maybe at the reception, not at the Mass, I would th- I'm okay with that. But I don't think non-Catholics should participate in the Mass, uh, in, in in the liturgy at all, not in the liturgy. To be at Mass, not receive communion, yes, but in the liturgy, no. And the only way to understand why your parish hires non-Catholics to participate in the liturgy is to ask the pastor. I don't know why he does that um, or why it's allowed to be done, but but you're right. You're right in your sentiments, uh, so go very respectfully to your pastor and, and, and speak with him about it. Uh, we have a, a note from Sharon on Facebook. Uh, she says, how can I talk to pro-abortion people... Without becoming angry, and I'm just going to read you um, Sharon's words. How can I talk to pro-abortion people? I'm not going to make this uh, little note nicer. How can I talk to pro-abortion people without becoming angry at their stupid arguments, calling the preborn a mass of tissue, generally denying the humanity of, a pre-born, of pre-born humans, Oh my goodness, pre-born humans! I, I just hate calling people humans. They're beings. We are beings. We are human beings. A human makes sounds like an alien. Um, the reason I read the word "stupid," which Sharon put in caps, is because there's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. Someone who calls a pre-born uh, baby um, uh, uh, a Someone who is for abortion, uh, I don't know if they're stupid, but they're certainly ignorant. There's two different things. Uh, Stupid is a mental defect. Uh, Ignorance is just lack of knowledge. And there are an awful lot of people who are are now pro-abortion who were ignorant of the fact that it's truly life at conception. So be careful on that one. Um, uh Uh-oh. I think I just did something Hold on one second. Um, I did, but it's okay. I think I kicked the camera. I'm getting used to all this. Okay, here we go. Um, and so uh, she says, I get so angry, but want to make a point that will make them think for once. Now, Sharon, dear, you're not going to make a point that's going to help them think if you get so angry and if you think they're stupid and you call them stupid. You're never, they're never going to listen to you. They're only going to hear your anger, and your prejudice. That's what they're going to hear. Um, uh, she goes on to say, "I'm not Catholic, but enjoy Mother Miriam. Actually, I actually am. I am a non-Jewish Messianic believer belonging to a Messianic congregation, and applaud the Catholic Church for upholding the dignity of the preborn." especially through the last almost 50 years since Rovius Wade of the war against the preborn, a Holocaust of sorts. Then she says, thank you. And may God bless you richly. Mother Miriam. Well, thank you, Sharon. Let me say this. People that are pro-abortion are absolutely ignorant. They're less culpable if they're stupid, if they can't understand it, but they can, but they're ignorant. And so, um, if you're going to get angry, then you're ungrateful for the grace God has given you to see and believe. You see, uh, I've said it many times before, and I didn't originate this statement, but evangelism or getting any message through is a matter of one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. That's it. And so if you have the grace to understand that uh, life is born at conception. It's an entire person with dignity and and uh, all the fact- faculties of a human being. It doesn't become a human being. It is a human being at the point of conception. If you know that or you have learned that um, it's not a clump of tissue, all of that, you need to get on your knees and thank God. All of us do. If we have the truth that sets us free, we need to thank god we don't know anything apart from his grace nothing nothing we could be the smartest people in the world and and get it completely wrong when it comes to life and faith so that's the only way sharon that your faith that your knowledge that your convictions that your passions are going to help anybody else if you realize that you have a gift and you don't assume anybody else has it. And you can patiently, compassionately go as a teacher, as a friend, uh, to help them understand. That's the only way. And you don't have to wor- worry about a particular point to make them think. You and your heart of love and respect is what will bring them to truth. Um, We have an email from Lauren who says, Greetings, Mother. Uh, God bless and thank you for your program. That is so wonderful to listen to. Thank you, Lauren. She says, I struggle with making a daily examination of conscience. I'm looking for some convictions to help me get into the habit of doing it. That's very good. Please talk about the importance of this practice. This is very wonderful, Lauren. I think you can simply go online, and type in "examination of conscious conscience." Type in the Daily Examine, a e x a m e n, the Daily Examine, and it will give you a way to go through, uh, to uh, take a look at your heart, uh, to take a look at your your actions, uh, even to help you understand your predominant fault because we all have those, and we all suffer with them. And so that's what I would say you do. Look particular, examine on the Internet, and you will come up with many, many good things that you can use every single day. Um, It's good. You can use. sit with it probably, oh, excuse my hiccup, before you go to bed at night. That would be a wonderful time. Some people do it three times a day, but a good time is before you go to bed at night where you examine your heart and and you pray uh, to God for the night and give him thanks for all he's given you during the day. We have an an email now from somebody who writes it anonymously who says, What should I do in regards to supporting a company that is celebrating LGBT pride during the month of June? It seems that almost every company is doing this. My husband's job even had an article promoting this LGBT month. Our bank um, promotes it. Uh, Her bank, she says, my bank Chase promotes it. And even Walmart sells items for this month. I... uh, i like to vote, I think she says, with my wallet, however, because June is now considered a national LGBT month. I'm not sure what I can do or should do. Thank you and God bless you. Well, my goodness, oh, you don't support a company that's celebrating LGBT, period, end of story. You know, if, if, if I'm with a telephone company and I can change it, I could change my company that doesn't support LGBT or uh, same-sex marriage or abortion, or all these deeply immoral, grievous things, then I'll switch my company. But it is getting to the point that just about every company gives in to this. We just come to a point where we, we can't totally live in isolation. It's the evil world we live in, and we just put up with it. But we don't do anything to support it. So, if you're shopping at Walmart during this month and you see everything that's evil and degraded, you just stay away from it and you don't buy anything. That's for sure. If you want to stay away from Walmart during this LGBT month, um, then do that. Then don't give them money. If 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 ninety percent of their customers would stay away from Walmart this month, they may get the message. I highly recommend that. Go shop elsewhere during this month, um, and then you can come back the next month. But give them the message that you're not interested in LGBT month. The same with your bank. Say, you know what? If you're promoting this, I'm going to take my business else- elsewhere. I would do that. I would do that because a bank is a more of a permanent thing. And if they feel that they care less that they lose um Morally upright people And they're going to cater to the degradation Of our society That's going to be their choice um, And I would switch to another bank If I could So I wouldn't support it I would do everything I can to not support it But if I'm caught in the middle of it There's really nothing I can I can do with that So um Okay, I'm going to go, uh, I mean, middle of it, such as your husband who works for that company, just let it go. Just go about your business and have no part of it. If they dress up or they have s- parties, don't go to that. You know, make it, make it clear. If you need to, you don't need to make a statement. Your absence will make a statement. So I'm, I'm here in, in the office of uh, St. Mary's Catholic Church in Pine Bluff, um, Wisconsin with Father Rick Heilman. I'm actually, uh, we're actually taping this program from his secretary Luann's office. So there's the phone, and I can't shut it off. Sorry, beloved. But um, it's just wonderful to be here. Um, Okay, let me see if I could take this email from Ed. Ed says, I just found you on YouTube today. I just want you to know that I love your show. Ah, oh, thank you, Ed. That's so encouraging to me. It's so sweet. I am thankful that you are doing this show because there are not many opportunities to get solid advice and general instruction from nuns these days. God bless you. I know my family and I are going to get great benefit listening to you. God bless you, Ed. God bless you and your family. Dear Dear one, we have to solid, orthodox, faithful, strong Catholics. We need to stick together and live our faith. It's the only way that we're going to live our faith with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength is if we really encourage one another. We have an email from Roxanne who says, Dearest Mother, a few months ago, I listened to your story of conversion on Formed. You had me smiling and giggling, tearful and joyous. And then I came upon your podcasts through Station of the Cross Radio, Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam. And I listened to them almost every night before bed. I do not even know how to begin to thank you for your incredible love. Oh, my goodness. If there's any love in me, it's it's God's love. I tell you, I'm a transformed being by his grace Um, to thank you for your incredible love. Amazing, steadfast faith, kindness, teaching, strength and determination for the truth of our Catholic faith. You have indeed made an impact on this cradle Catholic. And I feel on fire to learn my faith and live my faith more. True, more true. Thank you, Mother. Thank you so much. I will continue to pray for you and thank God that he has blessed you with a very special gift. You are truly making a difference to all those who hear you. Beloved, I'm reading these online. I don't read them before, so it's a little embarrassing to read all this, but I tell you, it's awfully encouraging. And she finally says, I wish you and the sisters could come find a new home here in Bend, Oregon. The Diocese of Baker. Boy, could we use you. <laughs> and we have a very good and holy bishop, Bishop Liam Carey. Well, blessings to you always. Uh, well, I tell you what, as soon as God... Um, uh, um, hold on. Okay. Um Uh, How do I say as soon as as soon as our Lord gives me a home and a bishop, I'll be there. Really, really terrific. We had a text in from somebody who heard Joe's call and says, Mother, please tell Joe that when speaking to his relatives. This is Joe who we took early in the program. His relatives are LGBT. He says, tell Joe when speaking to his relatives, use a neutral tone. And the theatrics will fade. And I agree that Joe should skip reading their Facebook posts. But do not click like, dislike. Do not click like, dislike Facebook posts. I agree 100% Joe. I I don't click on anything. I absolutely agree. God bless you. If we didn't get you today, beloved, we will get you tomorrow. God bless you. Live your faith with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.